Hey everybody, it's Alan Weatherford. And Christian Weatherford. And we're here with just the zoo of us, your favorite animal review podcast. But we're not reviewing animals today. Not this time. So if this is your first time listening, scroll back through and listen to something else. Because <laughs> this week, it is the second and final week of the Max Fun Drive, which I talked about last week. So if you want to go listen to the Bigfoot episode, I covered it there as well. Uh, if you're not familiar with the Max Fun Drive, if maybe you've been listening to us for a while, but you're not familiar with Maximum Fun's other shows, this is a time when the shows on the network get together and invest a lot of time and effort into both thanking the members who have signed up to support the network financially so far, and also asking those of you who do listen and maybe haven't signed up for membership yet to consider it. We kind of sweeten the deal a little bit. Uh, we put a lot of energy and effort into making it a really fun event with the intention of drumming up some support for us and the other podcasts on the network. Uh, there are some awesome gifts that you can receive for either signing up or upgrading your membership this year, as well as some membership goals that we personally have working on. Like if we get a certain number of members for our show, we'll do some fun stuff. And I'm going to go into more detail on that later. So stay tuned for that. Check it all out at Max maximumfun.org slash join. But in the meantime, since a really important part of the Max Fun Drive is celebrating our audience and our supporters, we are using this episode to pass y'all the microphone. Figuratively speaking, not literally speaking. These are expensive microphones. I'm not passing them around. Who has the time to go to the post office to ship things? No. Can you imagine if I tried to ship the microphone individually <laughs> to each? What if for each episode you and I had to ship a microphone back and forth every time we wanted to say something to each other? <laughs> so we we have collected both questions and stories from our audience. You have reached out and asked us some really interesting questions and also shared some really cool experiences with us that we're going to be sharing with y'all today. This episode's about you. Don't worry, there is still animal stuff in here. <laughs> it's not completely devoid of animal content because, of course, I'm involved and I cannot let uh, myself be involved with anything that doesn't have any cool animal facts in it. So don't worry, you'll get that too. Mm -hmm. This is also Q&A episodes are something we have done every year. And this year, the Max Fun Drive just so happened to have excellent timing mm. <laughs> that lined up with when we usually do our Q&A episodes. Our third anniversary is in like a week. So timing lined up really well. So this mm. is when we're doing our Q&A episode for this year. I wonder if maybe the Max Fun was a, the previous year was a Kickstarter for us. We'll get into that in a minute, yeah. but it was Max Fun content that was a big Kickstarter for us starting our own show three years ago. <laughs> um, not necessarily the Max Fun Drive, but I mean, that Max Fun content right. was made possible because of the drive. So I suppose, yes. <laughs> <laughs> You want to get started with our questions? Yeah. Christian, you want to read the first one? Yes. At Sleeby on Instagram asks, how did you come up with the idea for this podcast and what was your journey like from idea to actual episodes? So Ellen, I think you're better suited to answer most of this. <laughs> True. So our inspiration for, like I said, for making a podcast was mostly, I think, the McElroy Family's podcasts. I have listened to podcasts for a really long time. Uh, I started listening to like NPR shows like 
This American Life and Radio Lab when I was like 11 or 12. Uh, so I've been listening to podcasts for a really long time, but I think I got Christian in a podcast mm-hmm. with uh, the McElroy family of products in what was it, 2017? I believe there. that we started that we started with like my brother, my brother and me, the Adventure Zone, wonderful. And for me, I had just dipped my toe into the world of tabletop RPGs. You know, the Adventure Zone was what made me want to try yeah. getting into Dungeons and Dragons. Like I had no interest in it until I listened to the Adventure Zone and I was like, this sounds kind of fun. <laughs> and now I've played many times. So, it, and it is fun. It's really nice. So that family of products mm-hmm. <laughs> had a huge influence on us. And I think that shines through. I think you can hear a lot of influences in the work that we do. So we definitely wanted to do a podcast about something that we were both interested in. We wanted it to be something we did together. We had also been, at the time, watching a lot of Tear Zoo videos. Mm-hmm. You remember? We, there was a period of time where we would just kind of like binge Tear Zoo videos every night. It was really fun. Right. Well, not every night. but So we were kind of already like in the mental ballpark of <laughs> ranking animals, which is what they do on Tear Zoo, by the way. Tear Zoo has also been on an episode, which was so incredible and amazing. Tear Zoo was on our, I think, our 99th episode about bald eagles. Mm. So thank you to Patch for joining us. That was a big moment. Because Tear Zoo was like an inspiration for the podcast. Right. So having Patch on to, to talk was just like, ah, oh, so amazing. <laughs> and also, just before we started the podcast, we were waiting in line for a restaurant and we had this conversation about whether a grizzly bear or a gorilla would win in a fight. You remember this? Yes. <laughs> what restaurant was this? Metro Diner. <laughs> we were out front at Metro Diner. Huh. And we had this long conversation about whether a grizzly bear or a gorilla would win in a fight. And we couldn't come to an agreement on it. So I posted it as a poll on Facebook, which quickly escaped our sphere of influence. You remember that? <laughs> I do. Like 700 people voted on this poll. I didn't know a lot of them. People started commenting and arguing with each other in the comments that I didn't know. It got heated. <laughs> it did. It got very heated. Friends and family torn apart. Um, I think a gorilla would win. That's my position on the matter. <laughs> I've retired this. <laughs> Christian refuses. <laughs> Christian's too afraid. Not again. <laughs> to debate me on this anymore. Not another schism. <laughs> so, you know, that that was kind of something that we were kind of in that that state of mind of like thinking critically and quantitatively about animals and using sort of humor to you know, learn more and communicate information about these animals. So that was kind of where we were at, but we were workshopping what the podcast format was going to be. We ultimately decided against a versus structure. That that wasn't the vibe we were going for. We weren't trying to do one animal against another. And we also wanted to lean away from strictly using gaming terminology or something that might not be understandable for a lot of people. Like we wanted it to be something that was going to be very approachable Mm -hmm. that people didn't require a lot of background knowledge to come into something that was just like anybody could pick it up and start listening to it and enjoy it. So that's kind of where we wound up. And as far as like getting it from idea to episode, it took a while. Like we sat on the idea for a while and just kind of bounced it around as like, wouldn't it be fun? What if we had a podcast? (laughs) You know, like it would just be something we would just kind of chat about in the car. Sometimes we'd be like, oh, if we had a podcast, we would do it like this, you know, like it was just like a fun thing to think about. And Mm -hmm. then in March of 2019, 
uh, Griffin McElroy gave a talk at FSU, which, by the way, you can watch it. There's a video of it. It's on YouTube. Search An Evening with Griffin McElroy at FSU. Florida State University. Florida State University. Unfamiliar. Yes. (laughs) Which, by the way, is in Tallahassee, which is about four hours away from where we live. Uh, How far is it? I don't know. Two, three. I think it's been a while. It's a very long drive is my point. And we drove on like a Tuesday night over to Tallahassee on a work night. And we just went for this talk and then turned around and came home the Mm. same night a little bit impulsively. But it was just so motivational and so inspirational. He said a lot of really amazing things. And just kind of like on the way home from that trip, we like ordered some microphones. And in the following weeks, we started, you know, drafting up our notes in Google Docs and got recording. The third anniversary of the day we posted our first three episodes is on May 14th, which is coming right up. Nice. That was three years ago. And then we just kind of never stopped. We just kept doing that (laughs) indefinitely. (laughs) My proudest hand in all this was the title of the show. Christian did come up with the title of the show, much to my frustration. (laughs) (laughs) I had been racking my brain for months about trying to come up with a good title for this podcast i had like a spreadsheet of ideas i was trying i was forcing it really is what the problem was i was trying to force an idea and nothing was coming to me and we were literally sitting in the car one day lightning lightning struck (laughs) (laughs) in the car driving somewhere and christian was just kind of out of nowhere was just like just the zoo of us. And I was like, oh, man, there it is. <laughs> I was so disappointed in myself that I didn't think of it. But I was like, yeah, that's got to be it, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So that's how the podcast came to be. I also, you know, I commissioned our friend Taylor Gordon Wood for our cover art. She absolutely nailed it. We think it looks great. Mm -hmm. I also commissioned her again to update the lettering on the cover art, but kept the illustration the same. Um, So our sort of aesthetic is the the work of our friend and artist, Taylor Gordon-Wood. And originally I used music that Louis Zong had already, you know, posted and published out on the internet. I just really liked it. And I emailed him and asked him if we could use it for Mm -hmm. the podcast. And he said yes. It was super nice about it. So that was great. And then when we joined Maximum Fun, I really wanted to give the podcast kind of a little aesthetic sprucing up. So I reached out to Louis Zong again. And I was like hey can you make music for us and he said yes and made us like the coolest music ever (laughs) that was like the first time i heard it i i was so nervous to hear it because i was like oh my gosh what is this this is going to be like the sound of our podcast and i was so nervous and i pressed play and i started as soon as the music started i started crying i was like (laughs) it's so good (laughs) so that's how it turned from an idea into the podcast you hear every week Mm -hmm. now So I wanted to alternate between doing questions from the audience and stories from our audience. So Christian, do you want to read the first um, audience story? Yes. So our first one comes from Milo, who is five years old. Thank you, Milo. Yes. And he says, I like this podcast so much. I'd like to respond to say that I like it and I have sometimes seen these animals. I've never seen a skunk, but the skunk episode was fantastic. I like listening to this podcast with mommy when I go to bed. I have started my own podcast with daddy called Just the Show of Us, (laughs) where we each choose a show and rate it on the categories of effectiveness, ingenuity, and aesthetics. We would love to hear an an episode on the ostrich. 
And I think that's a great recommendation. That is a great idea. That is from Milo in Victoria, Canada. That is spectacular. Thank you so much, Milo. I love that you have been inspired to examine the shows that you like the way that we examine animals. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that's so cool. I think that especially in kids, it is really great to learn how to like critically evaluate Mm -hmm. things and like formulate your opinions using like really in-depth analysis of them. Yeah. So that is great. Milo, please keep doing that. That is so cool. I feel like we talked about an ostrich recently, like as a tangential topic to something else. Sure. Their eggs. What, were we talking about something that goes after their eggs in an interesting way? I can't remember what it was now. The Egyptian vulture? Yes. Yeah. Because they needed to throw rocks at it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. <laughs> I came across something related to that recently. Mm-hmm. There was a classical Greek dramatist, I guess, guy who mm-hmm. wrote plays in ancient Greece named Aeschylus. Mm-hmm. And legend says that he died by an eagle dropped a tortoise on his head. Oh, no. Because the eagle mistook his head for a shiny rock. Because <laughs> he was bald and was trying to drop the tortoise onto a rock to break it and drop the tortoise on the guy's head. Huh. And bonked him to death. That doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about. It's just <laughs> we keep it in my head. Neat. <laughs> anyway. All right. Our next question comes to us from Liv Matthews on Instagram at Liv underscore Matthews 03. Liv says, if you could be an animal you reviewed, which would you choose and why? Liv also asked, did either of us work with animals previously? And also, do we have any pets? And if so, would we do a review of them? So if you could be an animal you review, which would you choose and why? Christian. So this one was actually one of yours, but I think I would choose the capybara. That's exactly right for you. (laughs) That is exactly correct, yes. (laughs) Matches the vibe. It does. Probably 85% of the time. That other other 15% has to do with playing video games that are (laughs) a little... That's not even 15%. It's like 5 to 10%. (laughs) But yeah, that's my animal. That's a good one. I said that the ice fish actually seems like it has a pretty good life because... They're hanging out in a massive colony with 60 million of their closest buds. Uh So that's a pretty good, you know, like thriving social life. Um, The environment they live in is too hostile for them to have to worry about predators or competition. So it seems like they're probably, they don't have a lot on their plate, you know, like they don't, I don't feel like they don't have a lot to worry about. Is the assumption that your discomfort with deep ocean would not transfer over to being... If I was an ice fish, yes, I think that my experiences would have been shaped differently. Oh, so you're you're thinking like born as ice fish, not transformed into ice fish. Yeah. Although I also feel, I don't know, if I myself was transformed into an ice fish, not having the growing up experience Uh of an ice fish... I feel like I'd be okay with it. Okay. You know, because you don't, I'm not running the risk of like drowning or, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like an ice fish would be a literally chill time. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> did either of us work with animals previously? I did not. I sort of did. I worked at a pet store for two years. I was a teenager. (laughs) It was a long time ago. It was almost 10 years ago that I worked at a pet store. 
but I did, you know, work hands-on with the pets that we had in the store. And unfortunately, that's the only experience I have working with animals. But I really liked that job. It was really good. Mm-hmm. And, and I did learn a lot working there. Um, so, yes, I did have some experience working with animals, though it is <laughs> nothing at the expert level. I was just a pretty basic entry-level employee there. And it was a long time ago. I've learned a lot more through doing the podcast than I did at working that job. Right, because, you know, majority of animals we talk about aren't considered pets. <laughs> no, decidedly not. Um, and finally, do we have any pets? And if so, would you do a review of them? So, yes, yes we do have pets. We, we do. We have a cat and a dog. And in terms of would we do a review of them? I don't. I'm not sure if our listeners are ready to hear me dunk on a couple of house pets. <laughs> Each of our pets comes with a host of issues. Both of them are uniquely terrible in their own ways. <laughs> in their own distinctly separate and like complementary ways. Our house was a new build in 2019. <laughs> mm-hmm. In the first week of living here, we at that point it was just puppy. We hadn't gotten Aki or cat yet. But in that first week, <laughs> we hadn't set anywhere up to put puppy like away while we had doors open and such. We tried to put her in a downstairs bathroom and she tried to eat the door. She did. <laughs> she destroyed it. So there's this big patch of paint missing from the the bathroom door that I've yet to fix. So, oh, we haven't introduced who our pets are. We mentioned that we have pets. I mentioned have... their names a moment ago. Oh, but, okay. Yeah, Puppy is the dog. She is a pocket beagle. She's a very small beagle. She's old now. She's the worst. <laughs> she's old and cranky. She's not very nice. Like She's nice to people, but she doesn't like other dogs. She doesn't like to play. Uh, <laughs> she's a cuddler, which is nice, but she has her own host of neuroses. Yeah. She's, we love her so much. We This is coming from a place of very deep love, and we've had her for like 10 years, but gosh, she's a mess. <laughs> she really is in her own special way. And then a couple months later, we inherited Aki, mm-hmm. the, the cat, my dad had adopted Aki as a kitten and then less like less than a year later he passed away and I took on the cat who was still at the time less than two years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so very spunky, young, energetic cat. Also, the cat was not really used to being around a lot of people very often because my dad wasn't home with him very much. Mm-hmm. So he kind of had the run of the house a lot. And so the cat is just like a goblin creature. (laughs) (laughs) He has that sort of like quirky young adult cat energy to him. He's also big. He's big. He is a big cat. He's just a gray tabby cat, but yeah, he's a big boy. And then of course his first couple weeks involved tearing up some carpet, which he still does every once in a while. You should see our stairs and also the carpet outside of our bedroom door. Because we don't let him in the bedroom at night, and he hates that, so he just, like, scratches the guy. He's a mess. Sometimes, if you listen really closely in our episodes, (laughs) if you you listen with the volume way up, you can probably hear him meowing in the background of some of our episodes. Yeah. He's very loud. He's a talkative kid. Yeah. So, yeah, we love them dearly, but also the the list of grievances is long. (laughs) (laughs) I have some notes. (laughs) Revisions needed. Our next audience story comes from Anna. Anna sent this in, and Anna says, I grew up with a strong appreciation for 
animals, partly fostered by visiting the San Diego Zoo multiple times a year as a kid. Boy, what a childhood. Mm -hmm. But your podcast really tuned me into the sheer diversity of animals for the first time in my adult life and got me thinking about how engaging it is to learn about distinct animal species and the significance of their conservation. I credit your podcast for partly inspiring the fiction novel I'm writing for my graduate thesis, which is about an organization seeking to study and conserve cryptids. Think Chupacabra or the Mothman. Mm. There are so many stories about how we need to kill animals that are strange or dangerous looking. And I loved the theme your podcast fosters where no matter how terrible an animal may look or smell or act looking at you, Botfly, (laughs) they matter (laughs) and their conservation matters. Thank you for creating such a wholesome, well-researched and engaging podcast. I'm looking forward to the next hundred episodes. How nice. Isn't that great? I'm really interested in learning more about this fiction novel yeah it sounds really cool as people know now because of last week's episode i'm coming around to cryptids (laughs) yes uh, long requested yes so cryptids are definitely uh, on my radar these days so i would be really excited to hear more about anna's novel Mm -hmm. but you know i think that is important what anna said about a lot of times kids are strongly encouraged to be interested in animals and nature But there comes a point where people don't really encourage that anymore, you know? Like, I feel like you're expected to just kind of, like, grow out of being interested in animals once you're, like, a teenager, maybe. And so that was part of the reason why we wanted to make our podcast the way we make it. Like, it's family-friendly, so kids can listen to it. But also, like, we talk to each other the way that just adults talk to each other, right? We're not trying to, like, water it down or... It doesn't exclude adults, you know, like, I think it's important to encourage adults to rekindle that love for animals that a lot of adults grow out of. True. Or I wouldn't even necessarily say grow out of. It's just once you hit teenage and adulthood, there are so much fewer opportunities to engage at your age level. Well, it has to take the back burner to a bunch of other stuff, right? It does. But there are a lot fewer opportunities to indulge that interest, right? Because I do feel like most educational materials about like animals do tend to be geared towards kids. I don't know. I'm just, I'm glad to hear that adults are finding value in reconnecting with a love of animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, next question. I'm going to let you read this one. Okay. This comes from our friend Julie on Instagram. Her question is, how many pounds of ham can you consume in one sitting? It's a great question. Christian, what you got? Is it? (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, Julie. He's not kidding. I would say, um, for me at least, a pound or two is probably when I would get sick of the taste, at least temporarily. But this isn't a limit that I or the rest of the world is ready to test. You think you could get through an entire pound of ham without getting sick of the taste? Yeah, I think so. So I'm challenged by the wording of the question because when I hear like pounds of ham, I think of like the ham that you would get in a big, like a Christmas ham. Sure. I could probably eat a good bit of that because especially if you got those big thick slices, Uh man, if you put that on like a sandwich, you put that on like Hawaiian rolls with some like cheese melted on it. I could eat quite a bit of that type (laughs) of ham. If you're talking like deli slices that are like super salty, usually sliced very, very thin. I don't think I could eat a ton of like deli sliced ham, a pound if it was a life or death situation. 
if it was like a Christmas ham, especially that Christmas ham that you make that's mm-hmm. got the cloves and stuff in it, mm-hmm. I might be able to eat a pound. But any more than that and we're in the splash zone. I guess I was thinking if I'm going in with an empty stomach and the ham is the only thing I'm eating, True. I would probably stop because I'm just sick of eating it before I actually run out of stomach room. I guess I interpreted the question as like life or death. How many <laughs> are you physically capable of eating? I think any more than one pound, and I think I'm in vomit territory. (laughs) So that's my answer. I wanted to give this question the respect and dignity it deserved of giving a very serious answer. Mm, I failed this. (laughs) Our next audience story comes from Jen on Instagram at Inkozi. Who is, by the way, a spectacular artist. Please go follow amazing, beautiful art, often inspired by the podcast. Nice. Jen says... I came across Just the Zoo of Us when I started researching animal information for my art and biology class for elementary school kids. I need interesting, fun, science-based facts, but I don't have the time to wade through websites or read journals or books. Just the Zoo of Us podcast is the perfect resource for me. In-depth, intriguing info while easy to listen to with hosts who are endearingly relatable geeks like (laughs) myself. This is true. (laughs) Just the Zoo of Us is also an inspiration for my art. I learn about animals on the podcast and look up the animal's photos. I often want to design a print featuring that animal. This happened with the electric stargazer, for example. Other times, I simply seek out episodes that correspond with my current project, such as the Malayan tapir. There is nothing so satisfying as making art of an unusual animal while listening to a podcast enthusedly discussing said unusual animal. Thank you to the Weatherfords for hosting such an awesome, uplifting podcast. It makes me so happy. To see, because I see this on Instagram quite a bit when people make art that is inspired by an episode, especially when it's an obscure animal. Yeah. <laughs> like the electric stargazer doesn't get a lot of fan art, as you can <laughs> probably imagine. Um, but, you know, I've seen people post beautiful paintings, right, of like taracos and skunks and you know like those are just the ones that come to mind but it always just thrills me to see people making art of the animals we talk about on the show not only because it's this thrill of like oh my gosh you listened to my podcast but also because it makes me happy to see animals getting attention that they don't normally get Mm -hmm. um, when they're like these animals that are charismatic and beautiful and wonderful but just really don't get the spotlight very often. Right. So I love to see that. Go follow Jen, by the way, on Instagram. Just mm-hmm. spectacular work. Okay, next question comes to us from George Diaz via email, who George, by the way, has been with us like pretty much from the beginning. George is a familiar face, <laughs> um, has become a friend. So just big thanks to George for for sticking with us from the beginning. And George asked, how much has the show changed since its conception, or has it been fairly consistent overall? So it has changed. Quite a bit. Yes. I would say the biggest change is around the format of the episode. Initially, it was just Ellen and I Mm -hmm. doing the animal review every episode. That started to change as we started getting guests uh, interested in talking on the show. 
when we first tried that, we tried to do that with the boat with the both of us and that guest speaker. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fun, but the logistics were weird. It was, and the energy was I don't know, it was a little odd. You're a little shyer than I am, <laughs> so <laughs> you know I, I'm I'm obviously the one doing a lot more talking. Sure, and Christian is a little quieter. So, which I think you talk a lot more when you're talking to me. <laughs> this was a, you know, like a stranger on um, right. You know, so and plus it was just it was logistically challenging, just like from a technological point of view, because yeah. we all had to have, you know. Now, granted, at the time we were much less experienced yeah. with our hardware setup, but still. So eventually, we kind of settled into a you know an on-off schedule with us versus a listener. There for a while, it was two listeners for every Guess. one of ours, um, and that that kind of changed as life kind of came and went with you know. Uh, my, my schedule with you know, day job and then Finley was born and mm-hmm. all that jazz. Yeah. That is also something is that both of us have jobs and we have two <laughs> kids. So as you can imagine, you know, we have to change and we have to move things around or alter our schedule to accommodate our lives. Mm-hmm. But in addition to the incorporation of guests, we also like way in the beginning in the first few episodes, we used to give the animals overall ratings at the end. You remember that? I did not until I, I read your part of the notes on this. <laughs> <laughs> we did, where we just averaged the scores together and gave it an overall score. But we pretty quickly decided not to do that anymore. <laughs> well, I was going to ask, was that a decision or did we just forget? <laughs> no, it was a decision. Oh, okay. I remember us having a conversation about it okay, that we were okay. like, eh, because it wasn't fair. This you know, like math. Animals that were like really, really cool, but also really, really ugly ended up with bad ratings. Sure. And we were like, that's not fair. Um, so we we decided to stop doing overall ratings, but also just I think we've gotten better at it. <laughs> Not only have we gotten better at recording and like the sound has improved drastically, which if you have listened to our earlier episodes, you know, we've gotten better at recording, but also we've gotten just more knowledgeable. These days, we're frequently able to like, while we're talking about an animal, we're able to reference a concept we've encountered before in another mm-hmm. animal. So when we're like, asking each other questions that we might not immediately know the answer to, we have a much broader pool of knowledge to draw from. Like we might be able to think, well, in this animal, it's like this. Right. Or, well, we've seen this in this animal and it's like this. So maybe it's similar to that. Like we, we have a lot more knowledge to bring to the table now with our later episodes. So I feel like that has gotten better. But I also feel like I over the years of making the show have definitely, especially through Twitter, Twitter is great for this. You know, I followed a lot of new people that I've gotten to know through doing the show and connecting with the networks that I'm in. I've heard from a lot of perspectives that I'd never heard from before that have caused me to kind of like examine and like dismantle some of the ways that I thought about things before. Mm. So a big thing is like the way that we talk about people when we talk about conservation issues, which can often lean heavily towards misanthropy, which is not incredibly helpful when you know people are the key to solving conservation issues so i don't know i've really had to break down some of the misanthropy had to you know examine a lot of how ethnocentrism shapes western science and like whose voices like who's being excluded from the conversation and what are we missing because of that i think my takes these days are a lot more nuanced and informed than they were in the sure. early days which in the early days they were mostly based on just this is what I know about this exact animal and this is what I've experienced in my own personal life so like that was all I had to go off of but now I think that I've broadened my horizons a lot and 
the way that I talk about things has gotten a lot more careful and <laughs> a lot more well-rounded. So I think that we've just gotten better at communicating yeah. complex issues like that. Yep. Also, you're developing skills in terms of you know audio editing and such because mm. that, that's all been you. I think I tried my hand at it once, like in the very earliest episodes. I <laughs> I quickly realized I'm way too much of a control freak to <laughs> to relinquish control of editing the podcast. Which, by the way, I'm like an aggressive editor. I edit heavily. Yes. <laughs> the the podcast that reaches your ears is filtered through me taking a hacksaw to it and making us sound as good as possible. So that's how it's changed. It's gotten better. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Next member story comes to us from Jennifer Lopinto, who says, I need to let my love for just the zoo of us burst forth from my brain. Gosh, that's relatable, isn't it? <laughs> um, how often do I say that I need to let something out of my brain? Mm -hmm. I heard of the show during a commercial break while listening to another Max Fun podcast. I wonder which one. And it just piqued my interest. I've been a huge animal lover since I was a child, and it's one of the few subjects that has stayed with me through the decades. Having severe ADHD, it's very difficult for me to retain information by reading. I have a better time listening to or watching a show. The way Ellen and Christian have conducted Just the Zoo of Us has managed to catch the attention of my neurodivergent brain, and it won't let go. I love this podcast so much. It's become part of my daily routine. I have a deep appreciation for the fact that there are other human beings who love animals as much as I do. Please never stop doing this podcast and please never stop chasing your curiosities. And I'm going to share Jennifer's sign off because I think it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Love and stardust. Aww. I'm going to change my email signature to that. <laughs> That's really good. I, I definitely wanted to lean into this because I feel like I relate to so much of what Jennifer said. <laughs> Jennifer could be me. <laughs> like, I also had that experience of, like, being extremely into animals as a kid and then just never fully letting go of that, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I've had a lot of hobbies in my life, and they all seem to, like, come back to animals. Like, when I did, like, art, I would draw animals or photography. I take pictures of animals. So, like, everything has always come back to that. But, you know, also Jennifer shares like having ADHD and really struggling with reading being very challenging for people with ADHD. Like that's something I really struggle with, too. It's really difficult for me to sit down and read a book. Mm -hmm. But what's funny is that you would you might expect somebody with ADHD to really struggle with like sitting down to make a podcast and doing that every single week for years on end. But it's like the hyper focus took over. <laughs> <laughs> and just like activated and was like, nope, this is all you're going to be able to think about for the next three years. <laughs> you're going to be obsessed with this and it's all you're going to be able to do. It is like a compulsion at this point. Right. And I'm like, it's it's something that just takes over, you know, so I, I have ADHD also like. That's not a surprise to anybody, I think, that's ever spoken to me. Um, but it is definitely something that, you know, is a an interest that has clung to me. And I also find that a lot, like a lot of the people that we've had on the show as guests have been neuroatypical to some degree. I think it's a very common special interest or hyper focus for mm -hmm. people to be like really into animals, wildlife, natural history, stuff like that. So, um you're in the right place. <laughs> You're among friends in the animal nerd community. For me, I, I enjoy the moments best where I find a topic that just really grabs onto my attention and then I 
do that deep dive to where I can hopefully find some interesting things to talk about. Um, an example of that was the owl eyes. Um, <laughs> you I, love I, those owl I eyes. I still think about that. <laughs> <laughs> you can't stop with these owl eyes. <laughs> but that's like, that's the joy of it, right? You find something, you find some little nugget of gold in your research and you're like, what? That's a great moment. I live for it. Thank you, Jennifer. Before we get finished with our last few questions, let's take a quick minute to talk about the Max Fund Drive. Just to explain a little bit about what the funding model looks like for our network, the money that members pay goes to support us. Mm -hmm. So most of it, the majority of the money goes just directly to us. They they pay it to us. And then a little bit of it is goes back to the network. But that also supports us <laughs> because <laughs> that pays the Maximum Fund Network for their staff mm-hmm. of professionals that are helping us, right? Like they're always like helping us out, answering our questions that we have, connecting us with people we wouldn't have been able to connect with otherwise. And just this like network of professionals and creators that are there to help us out and help us grow that like I never would have been able to have access to without the network. So it's like, yes, the network keeps some some of that money, but that also helps us. Like (laughs) that is also a form of just like paying for that network to exist is also something that is helpful to us. So this is the time of year where we really just ask you all for the financial support that allows us and our network to keep doing what we're doing. So for as low as $5 a month, you can sign up for a membership that gives you access to all of the bonus content across the network. There are just hundreds and hundreds of bonus episodes, including one from us. We made one this year. We did it. You want to tell them about our bonus episode a little bit? So yeah, we put up an exclusive bonus episode where we picked our favorite animals, animals that we've reviewed mm-hmm. in a knockout tournament. Um, so get you that membership. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> we I, Christian was feeling particularly spicy the day that we recorded that. He was really <laughs> feeling feisty that day. So uh, I feel like that was some some beautiful Christian quotes right there. It was, a, it was so much fun great time so definitely Mm -hmm. at the five dollar per month membership level you can go listen to that but also the hundreds of hours of bonus content for all sorts of max fun shows yep um at the ten dollar a month level you get an embroidered patch which you get to choose they have a design for every show on the network and ours has a little sunfish on it I shouldn't say little. Sunfish are huge. But the one on the patch is little. (laughs) It's got a sunfish on it. It says pretty good, actually, which was what I said about the sunfish in our sunfish episode. It's the cutest thing I've ever seen. The sunfish has a little smile, Mm -hmm. and it's just relentlessly adorable. And so uh, for the $10 a month level, you can get you a sunfish patch. At the $20 a month level, you get a creativity kit that has these really beautiful like activity prompts, suggestions for things you can do to really encourage your creativity that were all contributed by the show, including us. We like we got one in there. It also has like some art supplies. It has a really nice like drawing pencil and modeling clay. So for those of you who are arts and craftsy, so that's a great option on there. 
We also have personal membership goals for our show specifically. We've already smashed a couple of them, Mm -hmm. so we're doing great. Uh, We passed our 100 new upgrading and boosting member goal, which means that we're going to be making a and d episode. Yeah. That's going to be coming soon. Have we released many details on that? No, not really. I mean, I want a lot of it to be a surprise for you because we haven't played it yet. I guess I meant, have we mentioned that you would be the DM and I the player? We have now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you could edit this out if you wanted to. I did say that I would be writing it. So I'm I'm writing a, a fifth edition homebrew mini campaign that I'll be running for Christian as the player. Um, and I think it's going to be really fun. Yeah. I'm quite proud of it. I, it, I think it's going to be great. And, and that, by the way, is going to be going up on the main feed. So everybody gets to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Also, since we hit 100, I'm going to be doing a video game live stream. I'm going to be playing Planet Zoo. And that is going to be on Thursday, May 5th, which when this episode goes up, that is tomorrow, tomorrow night. So um, if you're not doing anything at 9 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday, May 5th, tune in. It's going to be on just my personal Twitch account, which is twitch.tv slash elksneedle. That's E-L-K-S-N-E-E-D-L-E. Um, so tune in. Come watch me play Planet Zoo. It's going to be really fun. Mm-hmm. Hopefully this is something I can do more often if it goes well. Yeah. Our next goal is 200 new upgrading or boosting members. And we're really close to it, by the way. If we get there, I am going to make three new coloring pages for our website. And just like the other stuff, that is something that's going to go up for free for everybody. So in addition to like the things that you get as a reward mm-hmm. for signing up for the membership, you also make these things happen yeah. for everybody. So we have a lot of fun things planned on top of keeping the show just going. And all of that is just made possible by the funding from the Max Fund memberships. Um, so it's things like equipment that we need to do our stuff, the software we need to make the show happen, the actual legitimate hard work. Yes. <laughs> the hours and hours of hard work that we put into making the podcast. Um, the, the money from the membership funds all that stuff and makes it available for everybody. So all we ask is that if this podcast means a lot to you and has provided you with some joy over the last three years, and if you're in a position that allows you to do so comfortably, I understand things are wild right now. Not everybody's going to be in a position where they can swing it. And I totally understand that. And the show is made for you, right? Like, that's why everything's free. So if you're in a position where you're able to comfortably swing it, please consider signing up for a membership to support the work that we're doing and allow us to continue just making the world a little bit of a kinder place to animals. And you can do so at MaximumFun.org slash join. Do you want to read this next question? Sure. This next question comes from Libby, age seven. Libby says, on the first episode, I remember you guys said you might do a fight night. I'd like to hear snow leopards versus tigers. Mm. So like we mentioned earlier, our bonus content (laughs) is similar to that with the bracket style. It was not a versus thing. It is not. Not a combat. Right. Not combat based. Like my my dad beats up your dad. (laughs) No. But also, when we were talking about that, like you, I th- you, you already mentioned that was around the peak bear versus gorilla discourse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was kind of the inspiration. Discourse is a good word for it. <laughs> and in terms of snow leopards versus tigers, uh, I would lean towards 
tigers. It's tiger all the way. It's got to be, right? I mean, the size. So tigers and snow leopards are actually very closely related. Tigers and snow leopards are each other's closest relatives. Okay. A lot of their range overlaps. Mm -hmm. So it's not out of the question that a snow leopard and a tiger may cross paths, right? right? I would imagine that should they cross paths, they would probably not actually fight in the real world. But for purely hypothetical reasons, if they were to fight, I do think a tiger would have it Mm -hmm. completely. They just, I mean, they're bigger, they're stronger. They have the same tools, so. Yeah, but the tigers is just more of it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think it's just pure muscle, you know, I think the tigers got that one. Sure. Yeah. Good question, Libby. A very special occasion in which we will answer which one wins in a fight. (laughs) (laughs) You want to read the next story from Dalton? Yes. So this comes from our friend Dalton Weeks. Just the Zoo of Us is the first podcast I've ever followed and has really started me down a science and animal rabbit hole. I always have loved animals and have been passionate about them, but now, thanks to your podcast, I'm getting back into that childlike wonder of learning new things. Each episode gives me a new appreciation for different species. It has also sparked my interest in further pursuing entomology. I love me some buggy boys. (laughs) Thanks, y'all. Keep it up. I'm real glad. Dalton gave us a context clue on entomology because I do get that mixed up with the other thing. Etymology? (laughs) (laughs) Despite that Facebook meme about it. Yeah. So Dalton is a friend of mine from high school who, you know, we, we were friends in high school and hung out quite a bit. And then as many people do after high school, we sort of went our separate ways, stayed in touch on Facebook, but largely lost, didn't lose touch. But, you know, we, we stayed connected on Facebook, mm-hmm. but weren't talking or hanging out or anything. But then through, you know, making our podcast and posting about it on Facebook and stuff like that, you know, Dalton kind of re-entered our lives and it's just been delightful. I just saw Dalton like a couple of weekends ago, I think. And it's just been so nice to like reconnect and get to bond with this friend that I've had for a long time mm-hmm. over a shared love for the natural world. Thank you for for being there for us, Dalton. And thanks for be my friend. <laughs> yeah. I'm loving this motif of the, you know, the stories mentioning rekindling of interests. Yeah. It kind of goes back to what I was saying that like a lot of people are encouraged to be interested in animals as kids, but then it takes the back burner when you get older. So sometimes you just need something right. to bring you back in. You know, another factor, you know, the the media we consumed as kids changed drastically. It did, Yeah. <laughs> Because, like, Discovery Channel did a pretty big shift in what they were doing. (laughs) Aliens. Mermaids. The worst. (laughs) I think the mermaids thing was Animal Planet. Oh, was it? Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, I feel like when we were kids was probably the golden age of, like, educational programming about animals geared at kids. Mm Mm-hmm. And then that kind of fizzled out at some point. We're getting back into it now. I think there's a ton of great, great educational programming for kids about animals right now. My personal favorite is Octonauts. Oh, yeah. I love Octonauts. Octonauts is great. It's on Netflix. There's also Wild Kratts. 
a lot of people like Wild Kratts. Mm. Um, I was familiar with the Kratt brothers through their work on Zabumafu. Right. <laughs> so I, I feel like I missed the Wild Kratts, but that's also very popular as well. So I think we're getting back into the swing of like really, really good educational content for kids, but there was a little bit of a gap there. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely an educational like content gap in the teenage years. So most like educational content about animals that I think of, I think of like Octonauts and Zabumafu and stuff. And then it goes straight to BBC Planet Earth nature documentary, which while they're beautiful and amazing, I do also think they are marketed towards adults. Right. So like, I do wish there was more of a bridge of educational content that was not necessarily made for kids, but a little zhuzhed up, you know, like put a little spark in it. That's what I want to see more of. And I feel like that's why a lot of passion for animals fizzles out in the teen years. Mm -hmm. Because there's just nothing for you at that point. Right. There's very little for you at that point. Unless you have just the access to hands-on things. Right. If you happen to live in an area that has like great educational programming that's marketed towards teenagers, which not everybody does. Um, I'll read the next question. Okay. Our next question comes to us via email from Alex. And Alex asked, what animals have you two changed your minds about the most, such as how you had rated them or just how you had generally thought of them? Christian, what do you think? So for me, I I don't have a specific animal in mind, but more generally, I will think about things a little differently. The, The one that came to mind first was when an animal is described as deadly. Because mm. this is a big thing in like news stories, both you know, TV or written. Or the bane of you. my existence. <laughs> um, a good example of this is the Portuguese man of war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's like an 80% chance that deadly will be included somewhere in the same sentence. Oh, yeah. Because they got to make it interesting. (laughs) The reality is there's only a handful of documented deaths out there. So anytime I hear that to describe any animal, I I now take that with a grain of salt. Right. Well, we see this a lot when people describe our native reptiles. Yes. The cottonmouth particular. There's a lot of weird folktale type fear around them. And again, that's another animal that you would struggle to find more than a handful of deaths like across recorded history. Yeah. It's very, very few. Yeah. Bites happen and they're you know, not great, but you know, with modern medicine and such, deaths mm-hmm. are rare. Yeah. Yeah. That that definitely makes sense. Like learning about animals helps you not be so afraid of them. Yeah. For sure. I have two answers that are similar, but for different reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, The first one is the ocean sunfish. (laughs) So my first time ever hearing about them was the Facebook post about them, (laughs) which I talked about in greater detail in our ocean sunfish episode. I won't go too deep into it here, but it was trashing the ocean sunfish Mm -hmm. heavily. And it was also very funny. (laughs) It was written in a very funny and humorous way. So that was my first impression of the sunfish. And I just kind of took it at face value, figured, oh, this is just a trash garbage beast that is worthless, right? Like, as it is described in this Facebook post. But then I learned a lot more about them. I really just like came to realize that they're actually great at the things that they're doing. They're not great at doing some things we might expect them to do, Mm -hmm. but that's not what they do. But the things that they actually do, they're fantastic at, Mm -hmm. Um, which is where I uttered the phrase, they're pretty good, actually, (laughs) Uh, as immortalized in our 
Max Fun Drive patches. So once you consider the, the context that animal lives in, it's actually pretty great. And I think that kind of taught me how to think about animals differently. Like if something at first glance to you looks like it doesn't make any sense or it looks like it shouldn't be that way, sometimes you just need to think deeper about like what is the life of that animal like mm-hmm. and how could the adaptations that seem weird to us how could they actually be helping it do some other stuff so sunfish big one for me Mm -hmm. the other one is uh the giant panda oh yeah so i know that it has some maladaptive traits (laughs) (laughs) many things about the giant panda are not ideal (laughs) (laughs) they're not what you would want um the animal to be having for doing those things so they make its continued survival really challenging like without human intervention a lot of people say that they would just go extinct and so for a lot of people this results in like a disdain for them because a lot of resources are being spent on keeping them alive Mm. and you know breeding them and reintroduction efforts on keeping the giant panda alive just because they're cute and fluffy and people (laughs) like them and you know they're they're a cultural symbol right it largely just comes from human opinion of the animal is that like this animal is receiving way more support and encouragement from humans than a lot of other animals get because we like it Mm -hmm. and i totally get the hate for giant pandas based on that reason but I have come to appreciate them as a conservation umbrella species Mm. because like you talked about in our giant panda episode, they're so cute that you can use them as a conservation mascot, right? You can say, we need to fundraise to save panda habitat. But what you're really saying is we need to save the bamboo forest or like we need to save the wild natural areas where the pandas live. Mm -hmm. So you're actually helping out the whole ecosystem just using the panda to generate the hype, basically. It's the face of the operation. Yeah. So it does have value there because people like it so much. And like you can use that to your advantage when you're doing conservation work. You know, you can really lean into this, like yeah. the natural charisma of this animal. And so I appreciate it for yeah. that. Because like imagine if if we had some sort of swamp panda in the Everglades. Oh man. We'd be doing great. <laughs> be awesome i also just think it's kind of neat that there's like a testament to human will Mm -hmm. that we're like we love this animal so much and it's just purely vibes that (laughs) we have decided to dedicate it's just kind of like an example of what we can do when we want to i feel like it's an example of what we're capable of yeah they're also kind of wrapped into some weird political stuff with the country of China, but mm-hmm. that's not their fault. So Yeah, that's it's not their fault. None of it is their fault, yeah. you know. So I do think that I have come around on having love for where the giant panda fits in into like conservation work and not just hating on it for being kind of a garbage animal. <laughs> <laughs> I will read the next member story. This is from Amy Venorio at the Fox Run Environmental Education Center, who is one of my Twitter friends. Awesome. Yes, you are known to me, Amy. Uh, Amy says, I listen to a lot of podcasts. A lot. 
and my addiction tripled during the pandemic. I think that's relatable. Mm -hmm. I needed friends, smart, fun friends that wouldn't spread germs. So one of the podcasts I started listening to was just the zoo of us. I love it. It's smart and fun. I've been working as a science teacher, environmental educator, and wildlife rehabber for well over 25 years. But I always learn so much, and I love hearing about current research from graduate students and others in the field. And since it's family-friendly, I can tell all my friends who are parents and teachers that this podcast is for their family. Thanks, Ellen and Christian. Y'all rock. Oh. Thank you, Amy. Yeah. It is so validating to me to hear from like wildlife experts, like people who have been doing this work for yeah. like almost as long as I've been alive and having like support from people who clearly know what they're talking about yeah. far better than I do. <laughs> yeah, because we, we make it clear we're not the experts, but it's nice to get that pat on the back from those that are. Yes, it is incredibly validating to hear from the actual experts that what we're doing is in line with what they know. Mm -hmm. That is big. I really enjoy hearing that. So thank you, Amy. And thank you for being there. Like you're always popping up on our Twitter and have wonderful things to say. And also mm. just thank you for what you're doing. Uh, you want to read the next question? Yes. Benjamin Lancer asks through email, which covered animal has been the most surprisingly interesting? That is, you thought it wouldn't be too good going in, but it ended up fantastic. For me, I would say the woodpecker. Because I went into that thinking it was to know it digs holes in trees to eat bugs. It seems pretty straightforward. <laughs> Cut and dry, right? But I ended up being really interested in the anatomy behind it. Because uh, most things would suffer great brain damage when trying to do <laughs> that kind of activity. Yeah, they definitely had to come up with some pretty interesting solutions to the concussive problem. <laughs> <laughs> And woodpeckers are very common where we live, so they don't seem as interesting to us because it's like, yeah, well, okay. Yes. You know, I see them all the time, um, which is very much how I felt about my answer, which is the green heron. I thought the green heron would be super boring, mostly because I see them every day. I call them marsh pigeons. Uh, they're just, <laughs> they're so common. We see them constantly. I really didn't think there was a lot to say about them, but I ended up just learning a lot about the physics of their like hinged neck yeah. and like how their bones and muscles have to be set up to allow their neck to move that way. And I had to learn about like torque and fulcrums. <laughs> and I like learned physics about this heron, but they also have really sophisticated behavior. Like they use bait to catch fish mm -hmm. and they're very, very clever. Um, I, I was way more impressed than I thought I would be. Yeah. Similar thing with the piranha. When I talked about the red-bellied piranha, I really thought they were just a fish that chomp, 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 and that's sure. really all there is to it. But they're a lot more behaviorally interesting than I thought. They communicate with each other. They make sounds. They bark. They, like, <laughs> protect their babies. Yeah. Like, they're really, really, they, like, have this really cool shoaling behavior that's just, they were way cooler than I thought they would be. All I thought I was going to be able to talk about was just how good they are at chomping stuff. <laughs> but they ended up, like, I find myself usually being really interested in the behavior of animals. Animals. I think you tend to get more interested in like the mechanics and the physics behind the animal or like the chemistry or like more of like the physical mechanics of the animal. Sure. I usually get really hyped about like interesting behaviors. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a good, good ones. Our next story comes from Taya Fukuhara. Taya's in our discord. Yeah. Thank you, Taya. Taya says, 
I remember finding your podcast after realizing that I wanted to work with animals. There were little signs all through my life, but I never really thought I could do it. But then I stumbled on your podcast and I fell in love. I can't drive with music because I feel lonely, so I'll replay episodes when I drive to the zoo around an hour. And it sounds like you guys are driving with me. (laughs) You two are just so happy and goofy and nerdy, and I always laugh along, even after a long day of shoveling zoo animal poop. (laughs) Your podcast gave me the confidence to apply to be an intern, and I would repeat the episodes that had animals I worked with, and I would use the facts to educate our guests. I kept on pressuring my coworkers to listen to your podcast and plastered the podcast sticker y'all sent me on my water bottle and brought it up at any time. I just want to say thank you for encouraging me to love animals and rediscover my passion. I've been working with animals ever since and love you guys so much. Love, Teya Fukuhara. Thank you, Teya. We love you, too. Yeah. This is, I love this. Like, I love the idea of somebody going out into the world and pursuing a career in working with animals, not just, like, as a personal thing, like, somebody pursuing their passions, but going on to, like, contribute to the continued education of the public about animals. Yeah. Because that feels like a very real world, like, improving the world with podcasting sort of thing, right? Like, I feel like that's... Like, on its own, Taya going out into the world and pursuing a career with animals and educating people on them, that in its own is, like, a good thing. And since I feel like that was down the domino line from mm-hmm. us, that is very fulfilling to hear. Yeah. And I know we we personally tend to love finding the staff at zoos who are primarily there to talk to people and give information oh, about I'll find the them animals. immediately. So, <laughs> recently, we were in... a one of the many bird sections at our local zoo. And this one had a kookaburra in it. Mm. And as soon as we figured that was there and we found the person giving information. I knew, that was our day. I knew we were about to take up a good chunk of that guy's time. <laughs> we were there for like, <laughs> like 20 minutes. But he was so into it. Yeah. You know, like it, this wasn't like we were holding this guy hostage right, and shaking right. him down for kookaburra facts, right? <laughs> this guy clearly loved this kookaburra yeah. and had worked with her for a long time and knew a lot about her was just like offering information about her, which was Mm -hmm. just really cool. So yeah, like having those encounters with the people that work with animals is incredibly valuable. Yes. Um, And you never know, like one of those kids that you have that interaction with during your day, that could be a person who then goes on to do that in their life too. And as a visitor to a zoo, if you're looking for a way to open up that conversation with a zoo staff, ask what the animal's name is. There's yes. Extremely high chance that they have a name. That's my first question. Every time <laughs> I see a cool zoo animal and there's like a staff member there to talk about it, I immediately ask what the animal's name is because they probably know. Yes. You know, like if you ask a, a zookeeper, somebody who works in a zoo, like for a story about something that that particular animal because they can they can share fun facts about that species all day long Mm -hmm. but sometimes the really interesting stuff is like if they have a story about that one particular animal it could be really interesting yeah um thank you for doing that work taya that's really really valuable for sure our next question comes to us from Sophie Ann on Twitter. Sophie Ann's our buddy. Sophie Ann's always popping up on our Twitter. <laughs> I love you, Sophie Ann. Um, and Sophie Ann DM'd this to us and asked, I've been wondering how you and Christian met. You are such a nice pair, and it's always great listening to you interact. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Sometimes people ask, like, if we're like this off the podcast. Like, if this is just an act, like a persona that we put on for the podcast, 
<laughs> no. <laughs> and as you've kind of hinted at, you know, this is how I speak with you when it's just us in any setting. Right. Whereas in larger group settings, maybe I'm not as talkative. It's true. You're a little bit more of an introverted person. More an observer. Yeah. <laughs> you're a listener. Yeah. But to kind of summarize what is now many years <laughs> of knowing each other, we went to the same high school, but didn't really interact. We just knew of each other. And that's mainly because we're a couple of years apart in age. Yeah. So we went to the school at the same time. Yes. But we didn't. You were two year, two grades so. ahead of me. Yeah. So we never overlapped. But I mean, that, that wasn't the only reason. The bigger reason I'd say is because I was in band in mm -hmm. school so i had tons of friends and such that were across many grades that were in band but since you were not in band right yeah we just didn't run passing in the <laughs> <laughs> we didn't run in the same circles yeah, yeah. until after you had already graduated correct so then we ended up going to the same university and unf yes swoop, swoop. <laughs> one and, of us graduated <laughs> <laughs> and we ended up being in similar social circles there uh, so we became friends during our time there and then shortly after i graduated from unf uh, we started dating mm -hmm. you left out the part where i pined after you yes. excessively <laughs> for years <laughs> <laughs> much to my uh what's the word don't say chagrin. <laughs> no. <laughs> Obliviousness. Obliviousness, yes. I <laughs> made many undetected moves. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, but do you want to come back to my place and play Guitar Hero? <laughs> Which we did. We did. did play Guitar Hero. Um, I asked Christian out, for those wondering. Mm -hmm. I did. I made the first move. Yes. And here we are now. Yep. That was years ago. Yeah. And then, you know, got married, had baby family to mm -hmm. add to the family unit. Yeah. I already had Isaac. Right. So now we've got two kids, two pets, <laughs> house, podcast, live in the dream. Yes. <laughs> we've known each other for 12 years now, I think. Yeah. It's a long, long friendship. A relationship deeply rooted in friendship. Mm-hmm which I find to be an ideal situation. Next member story comes to us from Victor R. Martinez Rodriguez. Thank you, Victor. Victor says, for as long as I can remember, I've been an amateur board game designer. Whoa. This is very cool. Using whatever cardboard I could get my hands on and a plethora of worn out markers to make things for my friends. As I've grown older, I've kept up with design as a hobby alongside schoolwork and work work, which is where your podcast comes in. For the past few years, I've been working on an ecology-based card game called Buddy Bestiary designed to teach people, primarily kids, about animals through game mechanics. Your show always gets me going in thinking about how I could incorporate all the buddies you talk about into the game in a way that would feel true to them. I've unfortunately been hitting a rut lately as none of the companies I've sent pitches to have responded with any interest, which has made me hesitant about continuing with this project. But your podcast consistently energizes me to work on it just a little more each time. And so I would like to thank you all for that. Victor has also attached some examples of the cards in the email and would like to point out that all of the art research and design was done by Victor. 
So the ones that Victor has attached are the Western Rattlesnake, the Burrowing Owl, the Striped Skunk, and the Canada Lynx. And they're stunning. They're absolutely beautiful card designs with like floral elements. It has a little illustration of the animal in their habitat. The illustrations are very like cute in a sort of like a chibi style. Mm -hmm. And it has little facts about the animals on there. I am absolutely obsessed with any sort of application of games to communicate like actual science or like educational games. Love that. So that is awesome work. Victor, thank you so much. For sure. Aaron Frank via email asks, aesthetically, do you prefer an animal that has fur, feathers, scales, or none of the above? I've chatted a little bit about this Mm -hmm. (laughs) across episodes. Yeah, this comes up frequently. (laughs) But I consider those categories to each have their own like ups and downs so much that I would consider most of them on the same level, like at a high level. Yeah. But what usually unsettles me is the none. Yeah. (laughs) You can kind of go either way on this one because sometimes you really like them and sometimes you really don't. Yeah. Big, big extremes there. (laughs) So uh, the hairless cats. We all know how you feel about that. (laughs) That's another thing that we have very polarized opinions on. I think hairless cats are adorable. I don't know, man. I know. You're not into it. It's okay. (laughs) It's those TikToks where they watch me uh, tickle my hairless cat's back. Move the skin around. (laughs) (laughs) No. No, I know you don't like it. Which is weird being, you know, a human the species that is nowadays mostly hairless, I would say, like surface area wise. Sure. Right? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I get what you mean. It's okay. I mean, I love them enough for both of us. So it's okay. I'll yeah. make up for it. It uh, levels out. <laughs> <laughs> I, the prettiest to me is probably scales. Mm-hmm. I just talked about this in the pangolin episode, but I really like that scales provide this is purely aesthetically like just from the looks point of things they provide an animal's sort of whole vibe with texture uh, a consistent geometric sort of pattern you know like it has a sort of very precise mathematical almost the way that each scale is perfectly aligned and placed with the other scales around it Mm -hmm. in a way that is like repeating over the animal's entire body like i love that (laughs) whereas with hair and feathers you know they can be a little more random in their placement that's not to say that the looks of fur and feathers are not beautiful obviously they they are Mm -hmm. it's just i feel like if an animal has scales that probably lends itself to me liking the way that they look a little bit better they're also scales are often like shiny or sparkly yeah which i like it's very cool and a lot of times they also have iridescence which is y'all know how i feel about iridescence that's my favorite thing in the world (laughs) i love a shimmery iridescence especially like snakes that have iridescence that is like one of the coolest things in the world to me. Mm-hmm. So I was, and even when they don't have like exciting colors or iridescence or something, they still just like look like little beautiful flower petals. And I just really like that. So I think I'm going to say scales and a close second place would be, I guess, the nun category because of beetles and wasps. Oh, okay. Um, I, I'm thinking specifically of like beetles and wasps that have a metallic 
an iridescent or a metallic or a glittery sort of like chitin. We had a cuckoo wasp in our shower recently that I lost my mind over. It was <laughs> the coolest thing. Um, we just did an episode on cuckoo wasps with uh, Katie Golden from Creature Feature. So I had like just learned a whole bunch of stuff about cuckoo wasps. So that was a great moment for me, but beautiful animals. Mm. So I think that the nun category would be the second place for me because of those beautiful, like jewelly looking insects. I guess the nun category means different things across like mammals, insects. True. Yeah. Because if you were thinking of the nun category as meaning like hairless. Right. Like just exposed skin. And even then, like cephalopods, they're really cool. Nudibranchs. Fish that don't have scales. Fish with no scales. Yeah. Like there's some cool stuff there. An interesting question. I really had to think about that one. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, And that's our last question. So that is all for today. It has been really moving to hear from everybody. Um, Something that a lot of podcasters struggle with is that sometimes podcasting feels like speaking into a void, like into the abyss where you just put stuff out there. And then, you know, it's a one-way conversation, right? You're just speaking into the ether. But I don't feel like we have that problem. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> y'all are really, you know, communicative. And and the people that I have met and gotten to know and even, like, become actual friends with because of doing the podcast have just really been unforgettable. That kind of makes the experience for me, you know, like making friends of because of the podcast and Y'all getting in touch with us and us getting to talk with you about that on social media, on, you know, Discord, in real life, you know, like getting to talk to the people that have like listened to our podcast and then talk to us about it in real life. That's Mm -hmm. always really cool, too. So we put a lot of ourselves into this project and we're able to keep doing that because of the support that we get from you all. And the partnership with the Maximum Fund Network has just allowed it to grow in ways that I really never thought it would. Um, I'm still constantly being surprised by what we're capable of, Um, not just us, but like as a community. So like you and me, the network, the audience, the people that are out there like engaging with us and, you know, carrying this knowledge out into the world. Mm I think we're all working together to just put a significant amount of good out into the world, which is really just incredible. So if you're willing and able to be a part of that support system that lets us keep making good free stuff, um, please do consider heading over to MaximumFun.org slash join and signing up for a membership or upgrading or boosting the membership you already have so that you can not just access these really beautiful, like actual physical tangible gifts that I mentioned earlier, but also help us continue to grow and keep doing greater and greater things. Because the message I think of the Max Fund Drive is that the rising tide lifts all ships, yes. right? Like supporting the network supports us we're able to keep doing the things that we're doing and do better at it because of support from our members so uh things are moving pretty fast especially with the drive wrapping up on friday which by the way i'll be in the finale live stream on friday night which is over on maximum funds youtube channel so um go check that out on friday night it's gonna be a lot of fun we're playing jackbox it's gonna be great So please, if you're not already, go follow us on your social media platform of choice so that you can keep an eye on those membership goals as they're updated. Um, We're getting really close to 200. So once that's a hit, then we'll let you guys know immediately. (laughs) We're really looking forward to it. (laughs) Also, if you do sign up, boost, or upgrade your membership, please tag us and I will reply with an animal doodle just for you as thanks. I don't think you specified what the 200 goal 
unlocks. You mean the 300? The 300? Is yeah. it? Oh, the okay. big one? Yes. If we hit 300, <laughs> if we hit 300 new upgrading or boosting members, I'll get a tattoo of C. Elegans to commemorate the infamous Wormgate of 2020. If you've been listening since then, or if that's how you found us, I certainly hope it's not. I'm sorry for the first impression. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'll get a tattoo of Wormgate with uh, Michael Eisen's quote, wiggle forward, wiggle backward. <laughs> So help us get to 300 so I can get that Wormgate tattoo. Great. I actually do kind of have some fun like design ideas. I think it's going to actually be pretty cute. That's so awesome. If you want that to happen, sign up for a membership and keep us going. Finally, we'd like to thank Louis Zong for the music that I mentioned earlier, but it bookends our show and I think it makes it sound beautiful and amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so happy about it. I'm obsessed with it. Sometimes it gets stuck in my head. That's all we've got for today. Happy Max Fun Drive, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll be back next week with a regular episode. (laughs) And thank you to everybody who has sent in questions and stories and just made this episode really cool and fun to do. Thanks, y'all. Thank you. Bye. Bye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.